Welcome to Rogue Bogues. This is episode 35 of the Basketball Podcast. Andrew Bogut joining you with Mike Procopio, Hoop Consultant, the Donut Man. How are you doing? Bogues, how are you doing, brother? Everything's good over here. Good, good, good. Plugging along, plugging along. Not a whole lot of basketball news this week, but there is the uh, the standard soap opera off-the-court drama, which we'll get to shortly. But um, yeah, it's, I guess, free agency, a few more deals, trades. So we'll just get right into it, I think. Um, judging on, on last week, it's been a, an interesting time basketball-wise with, with it being a bit quiet. Um, Summer League just ending. But there was a trade um, the last couple of days and something we answered last week about Laurie Markin and someone asked us about about where we see him ending up. We discussed that we probably thought he'd take the one-year deal and, and, and just, you know, get that, that um what is it, uh, the exception yeah. um, and then go to free agency. But yeah, ended up getting traded. So, Bulls, Cavs, Trailblazers, Laurie Markin and Cleveland, Larry Nance Jr., who I played with the Lakers to Portland and Derek Jones Jr., a first-round pick and a bit more, which they haven't mentioned, to Chicago. So, not a huge trade by any means, but um, I guess Chicago, with all the moves they made, just didn't want to pay Markin. Yeah, I mean, they made their moves and they just probably didn't want to give the money that they were looking for, Markin's camp was looking for. And instead of like going the one-year qualifying offer, he becomes an unrestricted free agent. 80% chance they probably wouldn't re-sign him anyway. And now this time, at least they get something out of it. I'm sure that that's going to be a heavily protected pick, although I don't know. But hey, look, it sends marketing to somewhere where he could play and you know, they're trying to do some things in Cleveland. And, and plus, they get Derek Jones. I'm not a huge Derek Jones fan and, unless it's layup lines or celebrity dunk contest, but <laughs> he's not a bad player. You know, he's not terrible. He's somewhere in the in, you know, middle to end of your rotation. You know, so I, I don't think it was, I don't think it was a terrible move. And again, Chicago gets something and, you know, Cleveland gets a player that they, they could play right away. You know, that, that Kevin Love deal is going to be a pretty interesting deal as far as, you know, buyout, no buyout, what have you. It'll be an interesting setup because now you get marketing. Obviously, they're going to want him long term. You got Kevin Love, who they don't really want. And then, then they also have Allen that just signed this big deal. So either Allen, I would say Allen or Love will be coming off the bench. I would assume Love will be coming off the bench and Allen will be starting. And then, you know, with marketing, but it'll be an interesting sort of deal in Cleveland, you know? So, do you think, so obviously Cleveland are going to give him that extension, correct? I would think so. I don't know what they're going to give him. I don't know if they're going to max him out or or what have you, but I assume that 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 deal was probably worked out. In in my opinion, it probably was worked out before the trade just to get something going. But I'm sure there's going to be some deal in principle soon, you know, just to sort of, I think they have until, if I'm not mistaken, they probably have until Halloween or so to, to get a deal ironed out, but I, I could be mistaken on that. Yeah. Derek Jones Jr. as well, yeah, I think I think with that squad, it's actually not a bad pickup. Like you said, um, very good in layup lines, real athletic, but with the passing they now have on that roster, Vucevic is a great passer and, and ball and whatnot, it's actually not a bad option for them. They can get a, a wing that can, no, they can r- run and go for lobs and, and, and you know, um, they've got some great passes. So, we'll see how that fits. Terry Rozier, scary Terry, four years, $96 million free agency deal. A testament to him he was you know people forget that he was once stuck in a deep rotation in boston and wasn't starting some games wasn't playing a whole lot of minutes so you know he he had to go through what you know that rise and grind bullshit we, we hear in the nba but he had to go through the grind for for a number of years he ended up being a good piece for boston off the bench but played himself into a starting role and has um banked some money you know 96 million over four years a great deal for him yeah i mean it, it always for a team to acquire him the way they did 
you know, for Charlotte and then re-signing him long-term, you know, look, you, you want to, you want something to sort of hang on to as far as, you know, as far as going forward, you can't just keep losing players and things like that. They got a nice little team. I don't think they're great by any stretch of the imagination, but I mean, you're looking at like Ball, Rogier, Haywood, PJ Washington. Now you got Mason Plumley. They just signed Ubre. They got Miles Bridges, who's a good player. You know, so they got like a nice little rotation there that they could probably, in my opinion, they're probably going to be a playing team. But like, and to me, playing team means like nine or ten, not not eight, seven or eight. But yeah, they could be maybe sneak up to that eight seed. I mean, the, yeah, I agree. You know, the East I like they, they're young. Yeah. They're young and they they've got a bit of uh, prick in them. You know, some toughness as well. Some young guys that are happy to get in your face. So I, I like their their rosters starting to balance out a little bit. Probably maybe a bit more shooting. I don't know. And um, they've got a lot of athleticism. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. I think they'll be. I think they'll be seven to eleven. Seven would be a championship for them. Um, and yeah, they'll, for they'll, sure. They'll be somewhere 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 in that mix. But great for Terry Rajon Rondo. We discussed last week. Um, leading into this podcast, it said he was not expected to be in Memphis. That is now being confirmed. They have waived him. Shocker. Um, don't think anyone's surprised there. But um, apparently, going to be returning to the Lakers. So, you know, Woe just tweeted it. So, it's probably gospel. And and um, that's a really, really good pickup for the Lakers again, round two for, for Rondo. But uh, I think that's the much-needed piece they needed off the bench. Yeah, I, I remember talking to him in uh, you know this summer and you know, probably in July sometime, and I said, "Look, I wouldn't be shocked if you're traded. You know, they're probably shopping you now." I didn't think they would trade Beverly with him, but I said, "I'm, I'm you know, basically how the thing ended up. I, I don't, I don't think you're going to be you know in LA in the next couple of weeks to a month, and you know, and then they goes to Memphis and look, it, it's a good." I mean, he would have been an okay mix there to come off the bench from a ramp, but they already have Tyus Jones they put some money into. So, yeah, it probably wasn't going to work. And for the Lakers now, they got, you know, they got someone who could, look, take the ball out of LeBron James's hand, do some playmaking. And he's, he's somebody who people are going to sort of demand some respect, you know, when you could take the ball out of Westbrook's hands at times and LeBron's hands at times. They don't really have a great point guard coming off the bench. I mean, they got Malik Monk and they've got Kendrick Nunn and they've, you know, they don't really have that backup point guard. I think it's, he's sort of a good mix there and is a good fit there. I agree. I totally agree. I think um, getting the ball and the usage away from LeBron at times is a help, and that's what he did. That you know when he when he was there, right? Like it was, it, it all kind of kind of went that way. People sort of have their preconce, you know, their preconception about like what Rajon is. Like they got rid of him. He helped them win a title. He's probably the, like their third best player. You know, during the playoffs, he they win a title, and then instead of like saying, "Hey, here's four million, here's five million, you get rid of him. And, you know, don't offer him a deal. And he has to go to L.A. You, you sign Schroeder, which wasn't a good fit. And now you, you sign Schroeder to decent money or they traded for him. I forgot how they acquired him, but they got him. They offered him like 80 million bucks. He says no. Obviously, everybody knows about that. But then like, you know, now you got to get him back. It's just it's unbelievable. Some of these moves that are made in the NBA, you know, some of these moves that are made that – you could. You don't have to go through all these fourteen other fucking moves to get the guy back. Just keep the fucking guy. He's got value. Give him five million. Give him six million. He's not looking to start anymore. You know, look, I'm biased because I love the kid. But still, like, it just makes sense. The guy, wherever he goes, like, instead of you know, except like Dallas, but like wherever the fucking guy goes, you know, he's good with the coaches. He's good with the young guys. He competes. He's an asshole sometimes. Yeah, I get it, but. 
Like you're going to be a better team, especially a really good team that just needs somebody to come off the bench. It just, um, yeah, it's a good pickup for the Lakers, but you know, it's interesting how sort of he's conceived in, in, in the whole league, you know? Yeah, and it's similar with Dwight, right? Dwight, Dwight's now back there in the same kind of way. You know, he went to Philly for a season after winning a championship, and he's back. So they, they, um, you know, they're running it back, and it's just interesting how how things turn full full circle sometimes in the NBA. But that's part of the drama. You touched on Kevin Love earlier. There were some rumors that they were progressing. Um, this was three or four days ago in a buyout. He's owed sixty million over the next two years. We kind of discussed this a long time ago whether whether he would whether he would take it or not, or what the deal would be. But as of today, uh, from what I hear, K Love is pretty much said fuck no (laughs) (laughs) I want every dollar and every cent of that 60 million for my buyout so I assume he's probably played hardball and said look you owe me two years 60 give me 50 and I'll or 55 and I'll walk because I don't think he's getting much more than a than a vet min deal at this point, um, pro. I'm not sure about you, so I think he knows this is his last payday. And he said no, so it's a, a bit of hardball. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. Whether they, um, like you said, bring him off the bench, whether they just say stay home, whether they try to trade him, which they probably can't, or whether he eventually just goes crazy and says, "Look, I'll take a buyout." Um, I'm not sure how this is going to end. This one's a tough one to call. Yeah, I mean, it's eventually going to end. I mean, probably after this year, they'll probably work something out. I don't think any team's going to take him on for 30 million, like even a trade in deadline, you still got to pay the guy like 15 million second half of the year and then you got to pay him 30 million for the next year. There'll probably be some stretch out next year and they'll move on from him. But it's unbelievable that whole like Cleveland dynamic with love because when they moved everybody out of town, they then signed him to his deal. So it's like, why'd you sign him long term? You knew it wasn't going to be a good fit. He, you know, here's a guy that Wants to win, he's a veteran, what have you. And then you, you know, you get rid of LeBron and all these guys, not get rid of, but he leaves and all this. And you know, you're going to go young. You're going to hire a new coach. You're going to go young and you keep the guy in long term. And it's just, it, it's been a headache injury and, and sort of back and forth. And you saw a lot of things like on social media about, you know, arguments he's had on the court with coaches or players or storming off and, you know, what have you. It's just been a sort of a weird escapade. And look, if I'm the team, I would assume Bogues that like he had 60 left and be like, all right, we'll buy you off for 35. We'll buy you off for 40, you know, something like that. They were probably going to take a big discount on it. He would have to take a, probably a big discount. So that's probably why he said, fuck off. I'm not taking a buyout. Like you said, I don't think he would get anything more than the the veteran minimum unless the team had cap room and just wanted him and, and signed him for a little bit more than that, maybe a favor to his agent. But yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting deal, you know, what's going on over there. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think we see too much more of uh, K Love on the floor for Cleveland. That's for sure. And 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 who knows if he maybe just latches onto a championship team, revitalizes as a bench role guy to come off and nail some threes. But um, yeah, not looking good for K Love. And then the USA team thing was interesting as well. He just kind of was on that roster and didn't really play, and then. There were rumors that he showed up out of shape and they just they just quietly um, pawned him off and just sent him home. <laughs> it was interesting the way it was handled. I'm not sure. Was there any other news that you read um, around that around that time as to what happened? I haven't. I haven't. A lot of interesting a lot of interesting sort of deals with him, you know, with the USA team and then the outbursts he's had, um, the playing, the not playing, the you know, the body language on the court. It's just sort of a He's had all these little things, and I don't know any of them. Like, I don't know. Look, and unless you're there with them, it's hard to say. And, you know, unless you've got great intel, which I don't have, I haven't really heard anything about the USA thing except, you know, they they had him on the roster initially. I mean, look, he 
it was a good idea to sort of see if he was going to fit, but the players that they had were better than a better fit than he was he was going to be at that particular time, and he's probably he probably wasn't in the best of shape. And you know the other the guys they've had, you know, look, he could have been on the team, of course, but you know, I think that the pieces they had, he wouldn't have played. He would have played very sparingly unless they really needed him. You know, so he's not obviously he's not a rim protector. He's a shooter, but eh. You know, I don't know. See how that goes. He had one of the all-time funniest blow-ups on the court when he was um, – who was the coach? Was it Bayheim at that time? Not Bayheim. Who am I, who am I thinking of, bro? Oh, no. Beeline. Beeline. Yeah, same shit. Close enough. Messing up names like <laughs> you now. Um, but, yeah, that was a funny one where he was told to reverse the ball on the trailer and then he was he was doing it all mechanically on purpose and then just running to the dunker or running to the three-point yeah. line. Yeah, you can jump on YouTube and type in um, Kevin Love blowups. He's had a few funny ones, but we'll watch that space. Bud from Milwaukee, Coach Bud, three-year contract extension. Just good to see. Um, there were really no numbers reported on that, but you'd hope he would have got an extension after bringing the first championship to Milwaukee in the last 30, 40 years. So rewarded for great work. Still interesting. It was only a three-year. Usually you get a, you get a chip. They usually give you four or five. So they're probably still you know not a hundred percent sold. They're probably ninety nine percent sold. But yeah, good news for for Mike Bud. But Budenhoser. Uh, with Milwaukee Bucks, bro. I mean, talk about somebody who was sort of, you know, dead to rights. They were, you know, putting the, they were putting the clothes in the casket on the fucking guy. And then he comes and wins a championship. I mean, it's good for him. Um, it, you know, it, it's it's great that they rallied around him. They did, did a, you know, ended up winning a championship, saving his job. But it just goes to show you, Bogues, everybody in the business was saying he's out, he's done, he's gone. And then he does this and makes this run and now everybody forgets that and now he gets this three-year extension. And I'm sure the organization felt the same way. They probably had almost the ink dried on a, on a deal with some other coach that was going to, you know, take his job and then he ends up winning, you know, winning the Eastern Conference Finals and then goes on this run in the playoffs. It's 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 incredible. That's why you can never say never in the NBA. You can never say definitely or never in the NBA because you just never know. It's uh, it's incredible. So yeah, good for him. I, you never want to see coaches get fired unless they're a total prick. And you know he he's he's been a pretty good guy. I, I I've had dealings with him early on in his, his career in San Antonio as an assistant. Nice guy. Always treated me nice and good basketball discussions. But I've never I don't really I haven't really been close to him for years. But good for him. Yes, it is good for him hanging around in Milwaukee. So we'll see if we can get him to if he can get him to another chip. Okay, we've got the inside source for this next one, Pro Nerlens Noel. You were there with him in Dallas when this all went down. <laughs> so for those not familiar, yeah. bit of drama. Nerlens Noel turned down a offer from the Mavericks at that point. It was what what year was that? Two thousand and sixteen, seven? No, it would have been seventeen because he was in my he was in the trade. I want to say seventeen. Yeah, yeah he was in my trade. When Dallas got me the hell out of there to Philly, he was in that trade and ended up he ended up playing the rest of that season. So it would have been it would have been two thousand seventeen, and then in the off season they offered him a, a seventy million dollar extension. I believe was for four years or five years, four or five years, and he turned it down and has not been close since. A la what we've discussed about Dennis Schroeder the last couple of episodes. Anyhow, he, it was with the almighty um, clutch agency and Rich Paul, and he is now suing Rich Paul 
for $58 million, claiming that Paul was negligent in representing him. On the flip side, Rich Paul has countered that argument with suing Nerlens Noel, which I think is just a, a counter to his his court case, saying that he owes him 200000 on, on his $5 million contract with the Knicks. So he wants that commission back. But um, this is interesting because this, this could be – this is a precedent. So I assume Noel's claiming that he didn't turn down the deal if he's going to court or he's saying that what I think's happened, if I'm putting on my Nostradamus hat, is that um, – or what's the word for the past? I don't know, Nostradamus' is future, but anyway, I'm too stupid for that. I think he got offered the money from Dallas. I think that um, Rich Paul has probably said, I have X amount more from this team. Wait till next offseason. <laughs> They'll max you out. And he didn't have a great year that, that following year or, and got hurt a little bit, and that deal was gone. That's what I assume – has happened to Nerlens Noel, and that's what he claims is negligent. So, how do you see this, Pro? You were there. Um, give us some goss. Well, you know, Nerlens is a Boston guy. He played at Everett High School right outside of Boston, um, next town over from where I, um, my town. And he played AAU for the team that I was involved with. Good kid. Um, had some injury issues at Kentucky. You know, didn't really play early on. Got, you know, had some injury stuff that he had to deal with in Philly. And then, you know, we trade for him in, in Dallas. And yeah, I mean, good kid does what you want him to do. Does you know? You just got to stay on him. You know, he's one of those guys that you just can't. He'll he'll have those issues. He had those issues in in Philly. You know, that's this is why like they dropped the ball big time in development over there, especially in that in that era of basketball in Philly. You know, he was late for planes. He did this. He did that because no one, uh, no one. You got to stay on top of him. When you stay on top of him, he does whatever you want him to do. That's what we did when he came to Dallas. Good kid. Was a, a contributing player. Had that thing where he had a hot dog at halftime or something at a home game <laughs> after he, we traded for you. I don't know if you remember this, uh, but uh, yeah, he was in the that. media room. So, somebody took a picture of him. You know, somebody took a picture of him and uh, at the hot he dog. He was in line. uniform, right? And, he, was, I mean, he was suited up. He, did, he was in uniform halftime. And he was eating a hot dog. You know, <laughs> hey, he was getting DMPs, right? He was getting DMPs, right? He's out, he, was, he was pissed off. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, I think. Oh, that's all time. Yeah, that is fucking hilarious. That was the beginning of the. That was the beginning of the end. But uh, so yeah, so that there was rumors they offered him fifty, you know, for seventy million or so. And so what happened was he had Happy Walters as an agent. And here's what I think happened. And and I'll give you my whole spiel on agents after after what I thought happened. They were going to give him seventy. Happy Walters had a good relationship with the, the Mavs organization. They were going to give it to him. And you know, Rich Paul was starting out as an agent, had LeBron, had, had a bunch of guys, but not not to the level that he had now. That he probably told them, probably lied to us, lied to Nero and said, look, I got, I'll have more money. I'll get you a better deal than this. Just sign with us. And look, you're a young, impressionable kid that's probably taken bad advice most of his career. And most players are like this. Nero Noel is not like the minority here. Most people that are in NBA players' circle – just they'll just tell them whatever, and they got bad information. They got bad fucking just 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 bad intentions because they just want to keep the kid to themselves, and they'll tell them anything. And they and they're getting bad advice. So he probably said, "Look, I could probably get you 80, 90 million bucks. You know, I got teams in my pocket, and I doubt he even had it. Look, ninety percent of agents are full of shit. They will tell you fucking anything, anything." To fucking have you, you know, they have agents that employ people that sit in the tunnel 
when you walk out and recruiting players that will be free agents that summer just to fucking steal them from other agents. They, there is no honor amongst these with these fucking guys and they will tell you fucking anything. Now, the problem with agents and players, they don't understand is players don't understand the agent works for them. They don't work for the agent. So like these, like, these players, they earn 99% of their money. The agent does the paperwork, gets the contract. Maybe they have a relationship with the team. If they got a cluster of players like Rich Paul has, they could force trades. They could force, if you're a mid-level player, they could say, hey, if you don't sign this guy for five million more than he's worth a year, I'm not gonna, we're not, you're not gonna have a meeting with my, you know, ex free agent throughout the summer. So you better fucking pay my guy. That's how that shit works when you have a lot of players and have a lot of juice. But like, if you're not a good player, Boats, if you're a mid level player, like these agents don't give a fuck about you. The one guy that does give a fuck about you is, is Mark Bartlestein. I really like him because he gets a lot of mid level guys paid. And he's probably the best in the league at it. But like most guys, they'll, they won't take your calls. They'll, you know, they won't have teams. They won't have money for you because like they make you think that they're the ones getting the deal. Like there's no deal, but I'll get you the deal because I'm a fucking, you know, I'm Jerry, I'm Jerry McFucking Guire. And it doesn't work that way. You're like, you're either good enough to get a deal or you're not. Maybe your agent can get you a veteran minimum deal if they got a relationship with the GM or the owner or whatever. But like, they're not giving you 90 million when you're worth 40 million. And that's what these fucking guys tell these guys. You know, and look, he bet on himself. He took bad advice. He bet on himself and he lost. It's not Rich Paul's fault. Cause I, I, I bet, now again, I don't know. I'd have no intel on this, but I bet Rich Paul lied to him. But that's not Rich Paul's fault. That's just what he did. And the kid had 70 million. All these deals always have early terminates. You know, they have player options. So like if you think you're worth 90 and you're only getting 70 right now, take the fucking 70 and then have the opt out after the two years, after the one year or two years. And then now you can, re- you know, redo your deal if you play over it. But look, that's what happened. And he thought he was worth more. He, you know, and 70 million is, is what it is. And now it's in the dust and, you know, Hey, look, he's back on track now. You know, he's back on track. I think he's 32 million over three years in New York. You know, look, it's not the money he could have made, but fuck it. That's just what it is. But yeah, I don't think he's going to come out right. Like it's a monumental thing. Like for the little guy saying, well, the agent lied to me or whatever, what have you, but he didn't do anything in my opinion that was illegal. Like the guy, so what? The guy lied to you and pulled the the fucking rug from under you. That's what agents do. Like you tell you tell me an agent that tells you the fucking truth. Have you met one? I've met about two, <laughs> maybe three. I wouldn't, you know, if these guys told me today was fucking Saturday, I'd go home and check a fucking calendar and my wallet to see if it was still there. They'll tell you anything, <laughs> yeah. folks. They'll tell you fucking anything, and it's a fucking crime because the little guy is the guy that usually gets fucked in all this. Because, like, they'll go to an agency because they've got eight fucking all-stars. And they're like, oh, this is great. But who gives a fuck? Because they don't give a fuck about you. And now, if you play well and you get these big deals again, they'll start calling you back. They'll start doing a lot more for you. But if you don't produce, they'll treat you like absolute dog shit because they don't fucking care. They, they're making 4% on your 2.8 million. You think they're going to give a fuck about you compared to the 4% they're making on, you know, Johnny Fuckface's $40 million a year? You know, come on, man. Like, seriously. 
They've got fucking, they've got Nike deals worth $2 million. You know, you got a, you know, you got a deal for 40% percent off at nike at the nike outlet instead of fucking 40 million that this yeah, fucking yeah. guy's getting you're getting you know so that's the thing with the Orleans thing man look look i feel bad for the kid because 70 is a lot of money but look it's just honor amongst thieves they fucking you know he was gonna he had happy walters you know rich paul had to get him away from happy walters maybe he could have got him 50 60 70 80 million maybe you know in the next deal or what have you and that's just what happens. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It'll be interesting to see just the, what the actual suit is. Um, I haven't dug too deep into it, but once it, once it hits, once the papers are filed in court and, and there's a hearing announced and all that, obviously we'll, we'll find out exactly what the, um, what, what his case is and what he, what he puts in there. The big case is Nerlens, Nerlens is saying that it's not just the 70 million. It's that other teams were calling him. Rich Paul, Philly supposedly wanted, and again, this is all hearsay, and no team, because Nerlens didn't really pan out, no team's going to fucking admit to this, you know, on the record. Like, supposedly Houston, you know, Houston was going to sign him to decent money. He, supposedly Philly wanted to sign him to decent money. You had like three or four teams, and supposedly Rich Paul didn't call him back. Now, if you can prove that, yes, maybe it's a little bit of a negligence. I wouldn't say $58 million of negligence, yeah. but I would assume it's something. But hey, look, like, like him or not like him, you signed with Rich Paul and he gave you that contract. I love Nerlens to death. I've known him for over 10 years. But again, I got to be as fair as fair can be and just talk to what I think. And I think that if he owes him 200 grand on the 4%, pay him the two. I don't care if you're fucking mad at him for not getting a good deal, you pay him the 4% on, the, on that deal. It is what it is. It just, that's just sort of the, that's just sort of how it goes. I think, you know, again, when you say an NBA player says this is a business, this is a fucking business. Hey, look, it doesn't matter how you're doing. That's the def- definition of being a pro. It doesn't matter how you're feeling. You gotta be a perfect or how you're doing, how you're playing, how your team's doing. You gotta be a fucking pro every day. And a pro means paying your fucking bill. It's 200 grand. You owe them that money. That's it. Now Perkins went on. They, they went back and forth. Of course, Perkins took fucking Rich Paul's side because, you know, he, he wants to stay on the right side of, right side of the tracks in this thing. And, it, you know, anything Rich Paul does, he's going to go with. And so they got into it a little bit on Twitter, but like, I, I think Rich Who got into it. Perkins a little bit in Nerlens. Oh, really? Because Perkins went on this. T- yeah, you know how Perkins is with LeBron and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. again, he wants to stay on the right side of things. So he's like all over him, loving him. You know, best things since sliced bread, all this stuff. And then I think Nerlens like texted, uh, tweeted back, actually what he's you know like sort of. I don't know if he wrote it on notes or whatever on his phone, but it was basically like all these teams. I think it was a story written. Somebody wrote a story and he just like screenshot it and put it on his, uh, his Twitter about, you know, him, Rich Paul not calling the guys back. They've got guys like off the record in Houston talking to them mm-hmm. about, you know, him not calling back and he had all these teams and all this stuff. So, by the way, did you I just, don't know, man. Did you just call Kendrick Perkins a shill? A what? A shill. Is he shilling for. Rich Paul and Clutch, he's 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 on the t- he's he's got a he's got a total line. He's basically calling him a shill, right? Oh well, I don't know what the fuck a shill is, but 
Um, I, I'm a lackey. You that a shill is a lackey. Uh, you know, someone. Oh, what the fuck? Hey, folks. What, what am I a linguist? What the fuck am I? You know, <laughs> like what, what am I supposed to do? Like, uh, I be an affluent and fucking Australian? I don't fucking know. I know I'm a fucking honorary Australian, but I don't know all the fucking terms that you guys use. I think shill is. Um, I think it's derived from Judaism. I believe I could be wrong. But uh, oh, look at you! Yeah, look at you, a fucking yeah, Buddhist. Very worldly. I'm worldly, mate. I'm worldly. But yeah, so you're, ba- you're basically so you're basically calling Perkins a sellout because he won't criticize people if it affects his bottom line end of the day right he's gonna be on their side yeah for sure <laughs> he's gonna be on their side yeah not way to, way to sit on the fence andrew gaze all right next one <laughs> so we've discussed this and i want to i just want to open it up quickly we don't have to get too far into it but the sixes there's there's constant media reports now around ben simmons and the sixes right we discussed Will he report to camp? Won't he? What's going to happen? You know, the Sixers are prepared to keep Simmons on the roster for the start of the season, regardless. So, two things here. For me, where there's smoke, there's fire. I think there's a bit of a panic setting in for the, the Sixers. I think the trade value has plummeted. And I think this is a damage control, number one, that if they don't get a trade, something doesn't eventuate, they can at least get him in half good mood into training camp and still playing. And number two is they need to drum up. They need to get his trade value back up because teams now know we're here and Ben won't report at camp anyway. So we're going to give you this shitty deal because you don't have to take it or you get nothing. And you're going to take that risk of we're getting closer to training camp now. We're a month and a little bit away from training camp starting. They're in that tough spot now, right? And um, what do they do? I mean, if, if he doesn't report, obviously they can find him and do all that. The Sixers now are heavily invested in him, number one, showing up to training camp, and number two, playing well so they can facilitate a trade. So the fact that this is being leaked from the Sixers a lot over the last couple of weeks, I think there's some smoke here, bro. I think um, there's a there's a chance that he's not going to report. He could cause some problems. I don't think Ben's a guy that would report and be a, a dickhead in the locker room because he's a pretty quiet guy, so I don't think it would be that. But I think that relationship is strained, as we know, with Doc Rivers and, and Joel Embiid, some of their comments towards the end of that run. I think he's really hurt by those still. But yeah, I think they're I think they're in some trouble. I think Philly, this one, he's going to earn his money if he, if he facilitates a good trade. More that is that he's really going to earn his money on this one because I think there's trouble. Well, I think there's been big time balls dropped on this fucking thing. This is supposed to be the summer of Ben, right? Like, they're supposed to be, oh, we're going to get Ben right. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And the owner's got a lot of fucking money invested in this guy. And this guy's not calling you back. You know, he's not calling you back. He's not communicating with anybody from the Philadelphia 76ers organization. If I was the owner, I would say, I want fucking five coaches to go out to L.A., and fucking find him. Find him. Just find where he is. This is your responsibility to get this fucking guy better. And now, supposedly, no one's been with him. Now, again, we don't know this. Maybe Philly has, you know, maybe they finally reached out. But, like, look, you needed to fix this guy's fucking shot. And it's been... So, say, at best, August 22nd, you get to the kid. You're going to try to fix his shot in the next six weeks? So... Like, he's been working out with a trainer. He's working out with Rondo and Chris Johnson's a trainer out in L.A. So, he's working out with him. He's not a shooting coach. So, no one knows that. So, now you drop the fucking ball. Yeah, his trade value has plummeted. There's no really good pub. Then he tried that fucking Instagram shit last week and it backfired. Everybody say, we're tired of that shit. We're tired of seeing it. We've seen it too many fucking times. You called it. You know, one. Yeah, it, it, you knew it was going to happen. So now, yeah, his trade values plummeted. Now, look, he's a good, he's a really good player. But this whole thing, you know, he's not a bad guy. I don't think he'll cause a problem if he does come to camp. But I just think you're past that. 
I think he's got the right agent to back him up. Rich Paul's, you know, he's probably not going to have him come back to camp. He's probably going to say, fuck you, trade me, trade the kid. You know, you set this stuff up. And, you you know, and I think it's going to be a problem. If I'm them, I'm taking C.J. McCollum. You could probably get C.J. McCollum today. And it's going to make you a good team. And you make you a better team. Shooting rules this week. And C.J. McCollum can shoot. He could score. He can't defend. You know, there's things that he can't do that Ben can do. And there's things that he can do that Ben can't do. So just take that. I don't think you're going to get better than that because I don't think Ben's shooting is going to get better. You know, that being said, he'll probably shoot like fucking Larry Bird since I've said he won't be able to shoot. But I don't think – I just think that C.J. McCollum's a good trade. Like you want, you want all this stuff. I know everybody wants all this stuff. But I, I don't think you're going to get that for him. And you're not going to showcase the kid because – I just think it's going to be a problem. It's going to be, you know, the the fans are probably not going to love the kid from, you know, for fucking shunning this, you know, the team. Oh and man, all that he's stuff. gonna he's gonna eat a shit sandwich yeah. in Philly. Philly, it's gonna be Philly tough. Philly is man. the worst place to be as a home player if you've gone through this kind of off season like Ben has, where he's reportedly not all in with Philly. They hate that shit, and um, they're gonna. Yeah, if he reports, man, get the popcorn ready because he's going to have to drop 40 balls to at least put a smile on their face and, and you don't see that happening. By the way, I've got a question about free agency, Pro. Sure. I may not I may not have the answer, but I'll try. Is Liam Neeson a free agent? Can we get him out of the bag to find Ben? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's about 79 fucking years old, but you could, try, you could probably get him. Him, Jack fucking Bauer, Tom Cruise, whoever the fuck you want to get to try <laughs> to get can do it. If anyone can do it, it is Liam Neeson. So. How about fucking Rambo and Arnold Schwarzenegger to find that kid's jump shot? <laughs> yeah, I mean, hopefully hopefully it all gets right, but I think there's some there's some issues there in Philly. And like I said, um, Daryl Morey, if he, if he pulls a rabbit out of the hat with this trade, He's got to go down as one of the better GMs of all time because this is—he's got his work cut out for him with this one. But J.R. Smith playing golf at North Carolina. A is it AT and T? AT AT AT. Yeah, it's not a fucking—it's not a communications company. It's not a bomb. No, they don't sell cell phones, folks. They're a fucking college. But uh, you know, the Warner Brothers, old school Warner Brothers, used to have TNT. You know, it was a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> fucking idiot. But. This is this is interesting. Um, he's 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 lapping it up. He's he's posting every day. He's trying to do the studies. He's on record saying that um, for those that aren't familiar, sorry, he's got a scholarship to North Carolina and he to play golf. He's a scratch golfer, from what I hear, or close to. Just so he's doing that. But uh, what is he? Thirty five, thirty six years old. From his own mouth, he said, "I'm not doing this for for, for a laugh. I'm, I actually want to study. I actually want to learn. I want to get my degree." So I commend him for that. You know, if he wants to go and better himself with some education whilst whilst doing it for free and playing golf, which is something that he loves, apparently, you know, all the power to him. But I thought it's, it's a pretty interesting thing and and uh, such a J.R. Smith thing to do, right? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. But hey, look, you know how it is. I remember him. It was one of my first years in Boston. Was his draft year, and you know, he was going to go to Carolina. I believe he was going to go to North Carolina. And he had the, a great McDonald's All-American game. He was unbelievable in it. Scored a bunch of points. And then he came out for the draft and got drafted. I think New Orleans drafted him uh, maybe somewhere in the lottery. But, yeah, look, when you're young, you have that chance to make that money. You're going to make the money. You know, he, he even admitted he wasn't about school. Most of these fucking players aren't about school coming out. But you know what? 10, 12 years in the league. You figure out, you know what, like, I think for him, it was fucking like 15. Anyways, I mean, the guy played 14, 15 years in the league. He figured it out. Like, look, I, I need to get a degree. This will be big for me. You, you mature a little bit. You know, he hasn't matured a lot, but he matured a little bit. 
And I'm sure he thinks that school is important. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that he did that. He's, uh, I don't know the guy. You know, he's a prick on the court, but he's supposed to be a decent guy. I don't know him. But, um, yeah, was, that's great to see that he's trying to, you know, get his you know, degree and sort of go forward with stuff. Yeah, well, watch, his, watch that space when he um, maybe tees off the wrong way by accident one day. <laughs> he's probably had a few, few too many doobies and he <laughs> sends, sends a golf ball backwards. But anyhow, watch that space. I think it's a pretty cool story. This one I found interesting. We don't have to discuss it too much. But Jason Kidd, bro, has visited Kristaps Porzingis in Latvia to let him know that he cares about him. <laughs> It's a long flight to let someone know you care about him, but that's the area we're in. Um, I've had coaches do that before. You know, Steve Kerr actually flew out to Australia to, to let me know he cared about me when he got the job. So I didn't really need it, but it was something that he just wanted to do. Um, but yeah, the the Porzingis relationship with Dallas has been, you know, as, as we've reported many times and it's been mainstream media that is strained a little bit, but a new coach is doing the right thing. But shit, man, surely you got FaceTime or, or Zoom. Yeah, I, I, uh, that's a, that's a, that's a very 2021 thing to do, you know, go out and see him. But you know what? They need to because he's an important part of what they're doing, Bogues. Like, he didn't have a big role in the team and every, you know, look, we, you know, we made jokes about him throughout the year as well. Um, and, and for good reason. I mean, the guy wasn't healthy. He wasn't really producing. Yeah, they weren't really using him the way they wanted to, uh, that the way he, he thought he should have been used. But they need him because, look, you cannot trade him. You cannot trade that guy. You know, and, you know, he's probably as tradable as Kevin Love's contract and you can't trade him. So what you need to do is you need to figure out, you know, first of all, I think you've got to sort of throw some analytics out the window. The guy's a good post scorer. You know, look, I don't give a fuck about his points per possession. You can stick that up your fucking ass. But the guy could score in the block a little bit. He can, you know. You know, he, he can shoot the ball. He's not a great shooter. They're trying to think he's Dirk. He doesn't shoot it like Dirk. He's never has, and he probably never will. But the guy's a pretty good shooter, and he could score. And he you need somebody to take the ball a little bit out of Lucas' hands in the sense that he doesn't have to work so hard to get offense. Well, you can give it to him a little bit. I wouldn't isolate to him, but there are situations he could use the kid. Now, the kid probably, you know, he's been – he probably has thought he's been treated like a redheaded stepchild there the last year and a half or so. And you need to sort of save face with him and say, look, this is the deal. We care about you. We want to see you succeed. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to try to change the way you've been used. Now, here's the thing. You better fucking deliver on that promise because he will go in the fucking tank. If like, this is what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen at least. This I know will happen. I know they'll feature him a little bit in preseason. They'll feature him in the first five or 10 games. Are you going to feature him? For you know, throughout the whole season, in a sense, where you're going to give him his touches, you're going to let him do what he can do, or you're going to, you know, or you're going to turn him into fucking Kyle fucking Corver and just put him in the corner, you know, by game 36. You know, you need to use him the way he needed to be used. You know, it, look, is he the best player on that team? Absolutely not. But he can definitely help them because they don't really have anybody else besides Hardaway Jr. that could create offense. And the kick could create offense. He could take a little pressure off of Luca. Doesn't need to handle the ball as much as he does or work as hard as he does to get points. You could defer to him a little bit, but you better deliver on your fucking promise or you're going to lose this kid and everybody's fucked. 
everybody's fucked. I think they could salvage this a little bit, folks, I think. But I think you you got to throw analytics a little bit out the window where they say you can never post up. You can't do this. You can't do that. You got to throw him the ball. You got to make him happy. At least get him to the free throw line. Get him at the ball at the high post. Let him turn face and drive or turn face and shoot. Pick and pop. Pick and pop drive. Like there are ways you could use the kid. But you can't make him a fucking. At least he feels involved then, right? So you might. Yeah. You might give him a token two or three post-ups early in a game, same in the second half, get him involved early. He's getting touches. So he's feeling good about himself. And then you can maybe sell that tale of, hey, we're going eight minutes of Luca pick and roll with you or Luca pick and roll with Dwight Powell with you in the corner. And yeah. Maybe that's an easier sell. But if you're just rolling into a game doing that, I'm not sure how kid's going to play, whether he's adapted his style, but he's he's generally an open floor, high octane, high pace coach, at least in the last two stops. So, you know, that's not entirely suited towards the way Porzingis plays, as you say. So I think they need a happy medium. Um, it'll be interesting. Wh- and he's got to stay healthy. Yeah, the kid's got to stay healthy too. He's And that's not his fault. I mean, he, I'm, I'm, the guy works his fucking ass off. When I was with him in Dallas for that year, I mean, the guy works his fucking balls off in the weight room, on the court, does whatever you ask him to do, but he needs to stay healthy for them to, like, you know, to keep their promise, he's got to sort of try to be as healthy as he can. And again, you know, it's out of his hands, but, you know, you just can't, you can't, you know, by game 39, he can't be Bruno Sundov with two more zeros in his check. You know what I'm saying? He needs to fucking, he needs to have a role on that team. And that's what I'm saying. Oh, come on, man. A bit harsh on Bruno. Great Croatian man. I've met him a, met him a few Bruno times. I love Bruno He's hilarious. I love Bruno Sundar. He's a funny dude. Yeah, I love him. All right. Last thing NBA-wise, Rachel Nichols officially fired. Not in those words, but they, they did it in a politically correct way. The jump has been deleted off the face of the earth. It's gone, pro. It's out the window. Uh, reportedly, Stephen A. Smith interested in an NBA show with Magic Johnson and Michael Wilbon. I would literally stab my eyes out watching that show. But that's just me. <laughs> But Rachel Nichols, yeah, you knew her time was coming. We've discussed it at length. Um, we were in a group chat with old Strauss, and um, we've had some back and forth about it. And he's got some interesting takes on it. We'll have to get him back on the pod in the next couple of couple of months. No, you could actually get. I will. I uploaded the whole screenshot of our conversation <laughs> to Substack. Now you have to. You have to fucking pay, and you have to. You have you. You, put, you gave me shit about fucking not retweeting fucking Strauss's shit. So I'm gonna tell you this. I will upload our conversation, but you have to be a paid subscriber for a 10 year commitment to Strauss's fucking page. So way more than you did for on Bokes. So I'm gonna step the fuck up oh, for man, once. I retweeted. And you, I'm gonna you say didn't. you were scared. You were scared about the all the work. What fucking what? Yeah, what, 98,000 bots got fucking Strauss and shit now? Come on, give, give me a fucking break. For those that don't know, yeah, for those that don't know, he, uh, Ethan Sherwood Strauss has officially uh, left The Athletic. He's gone. Uh, review Mirror for The Athletic, and he has um, he's writing on Substack, so it's a forum where you can you know put out your in-depth analysis articles on different topics, and he's a, he's a fantastic writer, so I urge you to check that out. And he started just started recently, and his subscribers are going up by the day, so that's what we're, we're talking about for those that are a little bit lost. And Pro did not repost his first article, which I did. It was about um, railing Nike a little bit about how their whole marketing ploy 20 years ago was about masculinity and even the toxicness of it with Michael Jordan being the face of it, whereas today they've gone complete opposite. They hate it. So um, an interesting article nonetheless that that plays both sides of the coin, but Pro's a bit scared to to put it out there, I think. I've been retweeting this stuff. I've definitely been retweeting this stuff. The problem is the guy's the guy. Most of his stuff that he writes is like twenty seven letters in each word that he writes. The fucking guys at Harvard 
I'm fucking, I'm a junior college guy, barely fucking literate. It's hard to read his shit, man. I, I got to bring the dictionary out and stuff. It's a fucking pain in the ass because the guy's a fucking good writer, man. He's got he's to dumb it down a little bit for me. You know, especially especially writing about sports, man. I mean, you know your audience, Sherwood, Jesus. You know, yeah. there's not people it's not there's not people with doctorates. Put some food fucking pictures, Strauss. Yeah. What the fuck? Get me keep me engaged. What do you have on uh, Nichols? Uh, you know, it's typical, folks. Like, of course they're not gonna have her back. You know, and look, it's a shitstorm. But like to cancel her out like that, it's a fucking joke. You know, it's a joke. But what are you gonna do? Like, I don't I don't know the whole political side of ESPN and all that stuff but like yeah it doesn't surprise me that they just fucking you know for where we are sort of in society it's just they're gonna I'm sure all, I'm sure her 500 friends that she had at ESPN shrunk down to about two you know and one of which was the HR director that gave her a severance package and you know it's just like it just goes to show you it just is it is what it is you know look it wasn't right what she said but like the way they got that information and all that stuff Nah, it's a little, it's a little cloak and dagger for me. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, we we hit that, especially the timing of of the way of when it came out was um, right when uh, old girl was discuss- discussing her contract extension with ESPN um, that she wanted uh, yeah. Stephen A. Smith money, and then coincidentally uh, this this uh, little leak came out. Um, yeah, I mean where there's where there's smoke, there's fire, as I say for the hundredth time. But um, an interesting one: she's now cancelled off the face of the earth, um, doesn't exist, and that's uh, 2021 in a nutshell. But moving on to the NBL pro, I'm, I don't know if you follow this too much, but your your good friend or your mutual friend with Rick Carlisle, that is Connor Henry, has been fired. Now get this, pro. He's gotten the country, which is a pain in the ass to do. It's, it's it's almost impossible to get in Australia right now with with everything going on with coronavirus. Um, we're still going mm-hmm. gung ho on lockdowns and getting people in the country is very very hard. So he went through the hard yards of finally getting in. Did his two weeks quarantine, a day out of quarantine. Worked, a, I think he worked a player out. Uh, Soto, I think the the kid from the Philippines worked him out. They posted photos and socials, and then the, the next day he got fired. <laughs> so he did more time in quarantine. Any reason why? Nothing's come out yet. Uh, they haven't announced who is replacing him yet. I'm not sure, but I mean, the candidates out there don't know where it's going. John really is a name that some people have thrown out. Very, very uh, assistant coach of the national team. He's coaching over in the US in college, and he's obviously an Australian that's based over there. But I don't, I don't know if he comes back just yet for that job. But um, yeah, they haven't announced anything. It's just interesting because he, you know, if if they, you know knew that he was kind of on the fence, he'd probably just do it while he was still in the US, right? Um, making the poor, yeah, making the poor yeah. bastard sit in a hotel room for two weeks and finally, oh, great to be back with you guys. Works a guy out and he got fired. But that's an interesting one uh, within itself. They've retooled their roster. They've got a pretty deep roster, so they'll be, they should be decent. They're very, very talented. So we'll see. But yeah, they, and it's not, it's not an opportune time to be looking for a coach because the season was supposed to start in a month. It's now been announced that it'll be mid November. Will be the start for the NBL if everything goes okay with coronavirus here. Which which I which I doubt. I think it's going to be further delayed and going to be another another traveling circus of moving to hubs and different cities. But that's what we're dealing with. The Wildcats and I saw you chimed in on this one, pro. They signed Vic Law. He had a, he had a, he actually had a fantastic summer league. He was on our shortlist um, with the Kings. I'm not going to lie, we, we liked him. Uh, we can go go ahead with 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 him and um, a little bit of turmoil. He, there were some posts, a, a few bullets players. The team that he left were chiming in, pretty disappointed with him leaving. But I think it was more of a banterish. And I reached out to a few of those players that posted those comments, and they said, "Ah, oh, it's just." banter between us is nothing too serious but in today's day and age there people that 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 screenshot it i was like oh what's going on here there's there's big dramas so <laughs> oh, there wasn't but yeah you like you like big law right 
solid kid. Um, I think he's a Chicago kid. I knew his high school coach very well. And, you know, I saw, saw him a bunch. And again, he's one of those tough kids that's sort of been around, you know, played on some teams and things and summer leagues and stuff. Just a tough kid. I, I like him. He's solid. Um, I think he'll have the right mentality and, and, and mindset going into international team and going to Australia and getting and getting shit done. He's a mature kid, you know. He'll he'll act accordingly. He was with the Bullets last year, so he's already here. But he he was hurt. He got hurt mid season, and he was a big out for him. But yeah, so yeah, he knows Australian game. They they have actually. Do you know much about the coach they hired, Scott Morrison? Yeah, so he was a um, he was a, you know Canadian guy. He, he coached in the D League. Was the main Red Claws head coach. A few years after I left, everybody likes him. Everybody that's met him, really knowledgeable guy. The Celtics liked him. I think he was a behind-the-bench guy with the Celtics. And, you know, really talented guy. Probably had nowhere to go after the whole, you know, the whole Stevens thing happened when Stevens went to be GM. And so, you know, he probably just said, hey, you know what? I'll probably have more. I'll get more experience being a head coach than I would be maybe even, you know, taking a chance of trying to get a behind-the-bench job in the NBA. So, I applaud the guy. I think he's good. I think he's solid. He knows his stuff. He's supposed to be a really good person. He's a good coach. Players like him. So, I think he'll um, I think he'll do well. Do you know much about the maker guy? Yeah, I'll get to that in a second. But just quickly, yep. he's got the worst possible name to have in Australia right now because our Prime Minister's name is Scott Morrison. And I think it's believed it's spelled exactly the same way. And he's hated at the moment, obviously, with everything going on. He's kind of been – he's, he's – Pulled a few Houdinis throughout this crisis and just no one, no one knows where he is and then he comes out and makes a statement, rolls everyone up, then disappears again. <laughs> so, he has the worst possible name right now. Uh, Folks, a- talk to the poor prick. You got to talk to the poor prick and say, hey, look, I'll be tweeting your name, but it ain't going to be you. So, don't worry. <laughs> don't take offense to it. Yeah, there was a funny meme put out by um, the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers. Uh, just making fun of that. I can't remember exactly what it was. I reposted it, but then it, they had to delete it within five five minutes of posting it. I assume someone with the government Shocker. got to the NBL and made him delete it. But yeah, look, I'm, I'm biased. I'm uh, being a minority King's owner, so I'll put that out there. But I think the roster we've built has been amazing. We've, we've put together a really good roster. We'll be a very, very good team, I think. Um, but yeah, we McCool Maker um, as our next star, which will be fantastic. You know, he's a highly touted guy. Um, went to Howard, I believe, um, over there. And yeah, he's, he's decided to come back and go through the NBL route. Uh, another big signing for us was Jalen Adams. Um, do you know much about him out of the G League? Yeah, Jalen Adams, good player, tough kid, young player, good player. I've seen him in some pre-draft stuff over the years and uh, saw him play in college. So yeah, I thought I thought he was a good player. But um, I think it's a good sign. Really good two-way player. You know, plays both yeah. sides of the ball, which is very important. Look, our, our league in the NBL and even Europe t- to an extent, with a lot of imports, you're getting one or the other. Um, if you're getting a flat-out scorer, they're not going to play defense. And if you're getting a, a grind defensive guy, they're probably not overly talented. So, offensively. So, this guy's the best of both worlds. Um, for those of you who don't know, he played for Chase Buford, our, our head coach in in the G League. So, there's familiarity there and, yeah, very big signing. And then, obviously, McCool Maker. RJ Hunter was one we did a while ago. So, our rosters, you know, we brought back some guys, Xavier Cooks and Jordan Hunter and Sean Bruce. So, we have, um, yeah, we have a really good balanced roster. And I, I like the way Chris Pongrass, Paul Smith and Andrew Bogut have gone about building that roster. And Luke Longley. And <laughs> yeah. Luke Longley. Don't forget Luke Longley. Of course. I'm sure Luke had a lot to say. But what, what I'm saying with the maker thing was interesting because he was a he was a really good, highly heralded player that had a lot of big time scholarship offers, 
and he he chose to go to Howard University, HBIC school, historically black college, and didn't sort of play, like played just a little bit and sort of shut it down. I don't know if he got hurt. If he, he got didn't. hurt, he got so hurt, he, and they had they had the coronavirus. They were one of those schools that went real gung ho on the coronavirus stuff, I believe. So it was a mix of everything. Yeah, yeah. It didn't play. Like he was a potential lottery pick at that going into that year, I believe, for the following year. Yeah. So. Yeah, he's decided to try to build that build that stock back up through us, and and he's yeah he's still very very talented five man um, four five five that can handle the ball long athletic put, needs to put a little bit of weight on, but yeah he, he has all the skills to be an NBA player. So hopefully you know uh, myself Luke and yeah. and Chase there. Um, I like the Adam him. signing though. The Adam signing is good. I I love them in St. Bonaventure. You know, like I said, tough, heady, borderline NBA player. Probably not an NBA player, but I think he would be a hell of an international player. I think he'll. I think. I think fans will really enjoy watching the kid play. I agree. Let's hope uh, we're somewhere at the top of the table at the end of this this crazy season. Matthew Delavadova is now locked in with Melbourne United, I believe. That NBA out that he had has passed. I believe it was for the first three weeks of free agency. If he got a deal, he could walk from the NBL back to the NBA. So that's all done. So uh, a lot of NBL fans, whether you're a United fan or not, will enjoy watching Matthew Delavadova playing in the NBL. So that's kind of where we're at with the NBL. We're hoping hoping it goes ahead. There was one small thing that I found interesting that has been discussed that was dropped by Jeremy Loliga from the NBL. The NBL is considering replacements for row games for unvaccinated players. This is going to be very interesting. Um, and I think this is at a talking point now it's not concrete by any means i don't think it's you know i think it's on the fence for both sides but if you sign a player from uh let's say you sign an import for 400k and they don't want to get vaccinated and then you're saying well we're not going to travel you so you only get 200k there's going to be a shitstorm brewing so going to be real interesting to see how this is worded how it gets implemented now you're probably not familiar but in australia traveling state to state now they have implemented if you're going to a certain state for work like queensland for instance uh, wa i think think is the same you need to have um, one dose of the vax at least so there is problems brewing with sporting leagues here and and look there's going to be players that don't want to take it every team has a few that are, are, are kind of anti it whether cultural religious health reasons and that's their right no problem with that. So it's going to be interesting to see where, where this all goes. But leaving basically leaving your, your star player because he's not vaccinated at home, if it is a star player, and then having him replaced and, and him not paid for that game is, is going to cause a whole lot of problems. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about the vaccination thing a bunch on the show, and you know, I'll stay with it. Like, I think you you should have the right to choose where you if you want to get it, not want to get it for any reason. But you have to pay the piper though when it comes to employment. You know, you have to go what sort of what their guidelines are going to be. And like I said, you should have that choice. But and then again, you know, if your employer says, hey, you have to do this, my opinion is that you just got to deal with it. It sucks, but it's going to be a, a shit show with professional athletes, though, if you're forcing them. And this is the first wave of it because obviously the pro leagues, they haven't done that with, you know, with the NFL, the NBA, what have you, about forcing vaccination on players. They just force it on the staff and referees now. So it'll be interesting to see now with you with the NBL testing that. If I'm getting 400 grand and you're telling me that, you know, I'm only going to get 200 because I'm not traveling, it's that's going to be a shit storm. It's going to probably be a lot of litigation, I would assume. That's what I mean, yeah. I don't know. I think it will. NBL and NBA. NBA just announced that basically everyone that has contact with a player needs to be vaccinated. Um, that was overnight, including referees and besides players. So, 
we discussed that a couple of weeks ago. What if you're an employee and you get fired because of it and the, the players aren't? There's kind of a double standard there. And, and it's the same, you know, in the NBL, I think it's going to take, there's going to be a court case eventually and everyone's eyes are going to be on that court case, whether it's a wrongful restraint of trade, wrongful dismissal, how all that works, whatever argument you're on, there, there will eventually be a court case, whether it's the NBL, whether it's a corporation, whether it's a business. Um, and that's going to be a, an ample time in history to figure out where society stands on it, ruling it, because, you know, we, we don't. I don't condone people that, that are, you know, you're an idiot for getting the vax and I don't condone people that are saying you're an idiot for not getting the vax. I think everyone, like you said, makes their own decisions, but I think that the dividing, the division in communities is unacceptable in my opinion. I think it's everyone should have their choice and, and like, I mean, my belief is that people are saying, well, if you don't get it, you're a detriment to community from everything I read. I mean, I think vaccinated people are uh, catching it as much as unvaccinated people. The, the, early, the initial strain, not so much, but with Delta, I think the numbers from what I've read in recent studies are pretty similar with viral loads in vaccinated and unvaccinated. So I think everyone has, has their right to choice with whatever whatever side you sit on it, and I think it's no one's business but your own. Um, so we'll watch that space and see what the NBL does. But um, yeah, testy times when, when state borders have different requir- requirements. All right, useless or useful. Got a couple of good ones for you, pro. The Sacramento mm-hmm. Kings, first team in NBA history to win Summer League twice. That's from our friends at StatMuse. That's as useless as me telling you that I skipped fucking a, a meal today and it's going to really make a big difference in my fucking diet. <laughs> Fuck no, that's not useful. That's use, That's as useless as anything. What do you think? You can only win what's in front of you though, bro. That's, they've, they've created history. Two wins in Summer League, that's not an easy feat, bro. They've won two, uh, five more fucking Summer Leagues than they did fucking playoff series in the last decade. So, don't worry about it. I don't think it's really translating these days. Yeah, no, I don't. I think it's useless, um, but you can only win what's in front of you. Anyway, next one. James Harden has made more free throws than field goals in his career to date, bro. Useful or useless? Say what? Really? Yeah. He's made more free throws than field goals in his career. That is according to SportsCenter, which I um, I have the screenshot in front of me and I'm just confirming so I don't get shit from anyone that I'm Holy shit. No, 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 no. I I mean, I believe it. I'm just saying, wow, that is useful. That's fucking pretty impressive if that's the case. I know he's – he had a few crazy years going to the line, I want to say like 10, 11, 12 times a game. Um, he was get. I mean, he's he's calmed down a little bit on that, but uh, you know, but he he's had some years where he's gone on the line a bunch. That's crazy. That's that's a useful stat. I think that's pretty useful. I agree. What do you think? I bonkers? agree. Man. That's that's bonkers. Because like like you said, when I read it, I was like, "Where's the kicker? Am I getting? Is this a troll? Is someone messing with me?" Like, but yeah, to to you know, made more free throws than field goals in his career. That's got to be. Has to be the only t- only guy in history, correct? I know uh, Wilt shot a lot of them, but he didn't make a lot of them, so he probably he, he wouldn't be close to that number. But James shoots him at 90 percent clip, right? So it's just a why don't our stat muse guys instead of trying to take over the fucking world with their stat geek androids, you know, fucking and, and trying to get after Sarah Connor from fucking Terminator? Why don't you fucking why don't they get off their ass and fucking do some stat research on that one? That would actually be a good one. What do you want to know? If anyone else has done it. I want to know if that, I, I, yeah, I want to know if anyone else has done it. Good. Okay. Stat Muse. Call to arms. Yeah, get off it. Yeah, find out. We want to know. Put it in your bot. They, sh- they should get in a couple of minutes. It's that quick. So, we want to know if anyone yeah, else, anyone block. else in NBA history. I'm going under pro. What are you going on? I don't think anyone else has done that in hi- NBA history. Like, uh, I don't uh, think uh, anyone With has- bulk numbers, that is. Like, I'm not talking about guys that have played four minutes a game. I'm talking, you know, you need to be actually play in the league for a while and play some decent minutes. But I don't think, I think that would be a first and only. Yeah. 
I think Stat Muse needs to, you know, they need, they need to look it up, update their blog because they haven't updated their blog since Havlicek stole the fucking ball, and they need to fucking do some research on this one. Okay, let us know, Stat Muse. We'll at you in this uh, clip, hopefully. This one's a long one. Useful or useless, greatest resumes at 26 years old, bro. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, two-time MVP, champion, rookie of the year, five-time All-Star, four-time All-NBA, two-time All-Defense, Tim Duncan, MVP, champion, finals MVP, rookie of the year, four-time All-Star, five-times All-NBA, five-times All-Defense, and Giannis. That's why we're doing this studies because he's topical. Two-time MVP, champion, finals MVP, defensive player of the year, five-times All-Star, five-times All-NBA, four-times All-Defense. Are they useful or useless, 26-year-olds? No, it's pretty useful to see where, where those guys are at 26 years old. And don't forget, you know, Kareem had to play college. And I think – I don't know when he came out, but I don't think – I think he was either three or four years before he started his you know, So did Duncan, though. Duncan went – didn't he go three yes, or four years? That's a good point. He did. He did. I was thinking – I had Giannis' vision there for a second. But, yeah, you're right. He did. Yeah. He did, for sure. I think it's useful. I think those those are great resumes, man. I mean, at 26 years old to do what they did. I mean, Kobe, Jordan, Garnett, those guys didn't really get going for a few years, you know. And these guys, four or five years into the kick, they're they're all you know, multiple year all stars, MVP. Fucking, it's a uh, it's pretty impressive. What do you think? Yeah, it's useful. I mean, that uh, that's an impressive resume for a whole career, right? Um, to do that at 26. Very, very impressive, and I think Giannis is going to continue to add to that. But that was from our friends at StatMuse again, so I appreciate those ones. Fact or fake news? I'm flying blind. I don't have these on my run sheet, pro, so surprise me. I'll give you a couple that I think, you know, that sort of interests me. All right, so fact or fake news? So last year, Cleveland, to my estimation, Bogues, they won – just let me get the numbers right. Cleveland Cavaliers won 22 games out of 72. They won 22 games. So let's just say out of an 82-game season, they would have won, say, 24 games. Are they 10 wins better than they were last year based on signing Jared Allen, their moves that they made draft-wise, trading for marketing, they've got Mobley, they got in the draft a high pick. Rubio. Are they 10 games? They are 10 games better. Than they were last year. They will win 34 games. Fake news. No, they're not there yet. I think they're still this to me, it's still I get the what they're trying to build. Jared Allen, good role playing big is needed for the, the guards that they have and the ball usage that the guards um take up. I think Rubio helps them a little bit as well. He had a great um Olympics, but it's just it's still kind of somewhat just doesn't mesh this roster for me yet. And it it's still who's the alpha dog on this roster? I still don't know. You know, some would say, you know, Sexton, some would say Garland as the younger guys. Then they've got some highly touted young picks coming in. So I don't think it's there. There's going to be some growing pains with the guys they've drafted, the names I just mentioned about who, who whose team is this, who's the man. So that's going to take time. So factoring all that in, yeah, I think it's I think it's fake news. I don't think they get 34 or over. I think they're about a year or two away from if this all goes well, chemistry-wise, they mesh. I think they're a year or two away from from at least being close to the playoffs. Okay. Yeah. I say it's fake news as well. I don't think they're ready yet. And plus, for them to win the way they, you know, they were asking them to win in this question, they're going to have to leapfrog some teams. So last year, they finished 13th out of 15th in the conference. And who are you going to leapfrog? You know, like, so, so beneath them were Orlando and Detroit, which I still think they're better than that. They're very much better than that. Then you get the Toronto Raptors. 
You've got Chicago. So Toronto, I think like sort of sh- Toronto, they could maybe get a little bit of, you know, a couple of games better than, okay, that, that might be one team. But then you've got Charlotte, who's still good. They're better. You know, they're, they're a little bit better. Chicago's better. Washington's going to take a little bit of a hit, obviously, from the, you know, trade in Westbrook and all that. So I just don't think there's enough teams for them to leapfrog to get to t- 10 more wins, you know, 34 wins on the season. So I just don't think they're there yet. You know, the, you know, look, if this, if, if marketing could sort of take a step up, cause marketing's not like this great player either, but he's a good player that could stretch the floor for you. He could be a little bit better than Kevin Love. Yeah. At that's at this stage of his career, you know, for you, but I don't think they're good enough. So yeah, I, I say fake news as well. All right, folks, we got one more here. Let's go to the Western Conference version of this. So, um, somebody in the media sort of was shitting on San Antonio a little bit as far as their offseason moves and things. So, I said that they're going to – they're giving them – I think they gave them a C or C- in sort of the, their offseason. So, last year they finished 10th. Will the San Antonio Spurs finish in the top eight next year? They will finish eighth or better next year based on their moves. Fake news. I think the West is too deep, man. I think the West just has a lot um, going for it. New Orleans should be in, it will be wrestling in there somewhere. Let's not forget Golden State are, are, are healthier and they'll be better. They'll be probably top five, somewhere around there, top four, top five. The Lakers obviously have retooled. The Clippers will still be up there. Dallas, Denver. Let me rephrase then. Will they be at least a play-in team? Because they were 10th last year. At 33 and 39, they were 10th last year. Yeah, are they uh, in the top ten? Top, top ten, top ten. It's a coin flip, in my opinion. So you can go either way. Um, if I have to call it now, I will say fact: they will be in the ten just because of that San Antonio churn out some wins at home. They'll find some rhythm on that rodeo trip. Um, they'll get it together and steal some wins, and they're not going to beat themselves. And in the NBA, in an NBA regular season, we know. That there, um, there are times where teams beat themselves. They had a late night. They, you know, were out too late in the morning. They didn't get rest. Blah 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 blah. And the Spurs will capitalize on those games. So I think they'll get enough wins to be in the ten. I just don't think they'll be a playoff team. Yeah, that's a tough one. I, I because here again, who are they going to leapfrog? So they're at ten. Sacramento is two, finished two games behind them last year. New Orleans finished two games behind them. I don't think Minnesota is going to make that much of a jump. And I don't think Oklahoma City or, or Houston, those are the bottom three in the West. But, like, I don't think anybody's really dropping out of the eight. So, I mean, you got Utah, Phoenix, Denver, Clippers. Now, the Clippers could make a fall a little bit without without Kawhi, but, you know, how far are they going to really fall, though? Then you got Dallas and the Lakers and Portland. Golden State's going to be better. Memphis is going to be good. And then you got New Orleans that you don't know what's going to happen with New Orleans. So, yeah, I think that I think they're going to drop out of the top ten. To be honest with you, now I've said that I've said that uh, you know that Denver wasn't going to be all that great, and Utah wasn't going to be that great. Utah finishes fucking first in the league, and I thought they were going to be a borderline playoff team. Again, I don't know why I even make these fucking picks. You might as well throw them up, throw them out. You know, throw off the fucking piece of paper, burn it, and piss on it because it's worth absolutely nothing when I make a prediction. But I don't think that I say. Fake news, they're going to finish out of the top 10. Yeah, okay. It's going to be interesting. They have retooled a fair bit. They've uh, made some moves. So, And it is our guy, Jock Landau. Maybe he'll carry them to the promised land and come on the pod and tell us how much of an idiot we both yeah, are. Yeah, as long as he wears that fisherman's hat, I'm good with it. <laughs> All right, Q&As now. 
Before we get into the Q&As, special announcement. We, in the future- I'm fired? No, not yet. Ah. In the future, we're going to be moving our Q&As. Still be, they'll still be on this pod at times, but for the most part, we're going to move to a live portion of the Q&A app. So we record generally on a Sunday at 11 a.m. Australian time, and we will be providing a Q&A platform for people to live join us and chat about whatever they want to chat about rather than me reading them out. Um, we'll actually have people ask them in their own words and join kind of a chat. So look out for that. It will be hopefully announced in the next couple of weeks. It is a brand new app we can't name right now that is coming out that will be groundbreaking in the in the podcast world. It's, it's really going to create some ripples. So Keep a lookout for that, and it just saves me and Pro having to read these out. But uh, here is the Q and A this week. Good evening, Andrew. Enjoy listening to the podcast with Pro on the insights you to give on life behind the curtain in the NBA. I have two questions. Number one: Has Pro ever tried a meat pie, and if so, does he have an opinion on our national snack? And two: Given the success of the wide-reaching audience your podcast has in Australia and abroad, is Pro now famous enough to become a brand ambassador for a meat pie company? There is no sarcasm to my question. Ben Simmons obviously has a business deal with Four and Twenty. They make pies, Pro. That was being played to death here in Australia during the playoffs and Olympics, despite him doing bugger all in either. <laughs> okay. So, could a company look to pivot and make Pro the face of their franchise? Even a cameo with his new BFF, Andrew Gaze. I can see the tagline now. I'm an educated guy and I know it's about time to eat a salad, but my hero, Andrew Bleeping Gaze, just gave me, uh, insert sponsor here, meat pie, and it's too good to refuse. He's unlikely going to fetch the same endorsement check that Ben Simmons did, but in light of recent events, the Australian public will connect better with Pro. Thanks again for the podcast, Jack. Now, Pro, have you, have you ever tried an Australian meat pie? I have not. Now, a couple of things here. First off, I tried a, a meat pie, a Portuguese meat pie, and I liked it. It was really good. I'm from Fall River, Massachusetts. Second, believe it or not, folks, I haven't eaten meat in about five and a half years, going on six, almost six years. That's so, right. I forgot. I forgot. You're the biggest vegan in the world. Yeah. I Now, I eat everything else. Don't get this fucking twisted. I, I did this one-off season. I said, you know what? Fuck it. Like, I'm just not going to eat meat. See how I feel. See how it is. I, I eat everything fucking else. No chicken, though. No, no red meat. No chicken or meat or anything like that. Just everything fucking else. Literally everything else. But so I don't eat meat. Uh, maybe you could do that uh, uh, plant-based meat stuff. So you do the fake meat. You do the fake meat? Yeah, fuck. Yeah, I do. Actually, you know what? Harrison Barnes. Sacrilege. That is sacrilege, bro. That is sacrilege. What? Eating fake meat. But bro, here's the thing. I didn't know. I've eaten vegetable burgers before and they were fucking disgusting and they were brutal. They have, I forgot the company that he had. Whole Foods has it. So the Mavs had a, they had, I don't know if they were a sponsor of the team. Beyond Meat whatever. or something? Beyond, beyond Meat. And they had a bunch of them in the big white pan and guys were eating it. Half these motherfuckers didn't know it wasn't meat. And I knew it wasn't meat because it said Beyond Meat and I sort of read into it. But I had one and I, I could not tell the fucking difference. I could not. Now, I would never do chicken, sausage. I would never do that for Beyond Meat because I think that I, I, I don't know how the fuck you could pull that one off. And I know it's not really good for you. I know this, they, they must, I mean, the chemicals they must use in that fucking thing to make it taste like meat is ridiculous. But since I put so many vile things in my body and the last that are non-drug related in the last 30, uh, 46 years, it's not, it's, it's literally putting lipstick on a pig anyway literally and figuratively but 
I'm telling you, folks, if you had a Beyond Meat Burger and no one told you, I'd be interested to see if you know the difference. Yeah, I'm more a principal guy, sacrilege. I just would never do it. I just, you know. Just okay, just... I got you. And I respect that. <laughs> and I'm sure I would I'd probably, I know my son the other day, <laughs> my wife, or my wife at least, I haven't really met him t- too much. They, um, they're at the kids' sport that they go to, um, there's um, a couple of parents there that are that are all in vegans, right? And they um, they took the kids to a, a taco, a vegan taco spot after the sport that my wife went to, and <laughs> my son bit into it and spat it out and said, "This is not real." Oh shit! <laughs> this is not real. <laughs> He's five years old, man. He spat it out and was, like was crying about it, just like this isn't a taco. What is this? <laughs> like, yeah, mate, that's a plant plant based taco. <laughs> Um, so he's not a fan. So definitely my kid. No, yeah, no fraternity test needed. He's your kid. <laughs> yeah, definitely my kid. All right. I guess once they get the veg, I'm sure they have a vegetarian already. We'll get you on the face of it. Next one. Hi, hey, I'm in. Yeah, anything, anything food you should be in. I just find it funny that you you remember the exact city and spot you ate your last meat pie. <laughs> that was more impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Portuguese. It's where Chris Heron's from, actually, Fall River, and they have it's a Portuguese delicacy. And they brought them, and I ate a couple. They were really fucking good. Yeah, I don't they know. They were really just, fucking good. You know, you probably got the timestamp as well, 2.45 p.m. Oh, without question. Had a side Folks, of this. Folks, I'm a 2.01 student, but I know food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, next one. Hi, Bugs and Pro. It seems to be that Dallas can't get any big-name free agents to come to Dallas. Thinking that Luca would be a massive positive, why is it that we can't, I assume he's a fan, he says we, we can't attract the any big name players to come to the Big D. Who, in your opinion, can get us out of the first round of the West and possibly contend for a title? Cheers and go, Boomers. That's Mark from Tarnit. You'd probably be better suited to answer this one, but it has been interesting. The, the Mavs have, I mean, who was the last big name free agent they signed, bro? Uh, like, I'm talking like first tier, someone you'd have in your top, you know, 25, 30 elite players in the league. Folks, I, I really can't remember one. I mean, I, I know they Finley? went after. Was Michael Finley a trade or a sign? No, he, he was trade. Yeah, he was, he trade. was trade. He traded for Steve Nash, I believe. Yeah, I think he came from Phoenix and Nash, he went out. Um, yeah, free agencies. Look, they got Harrison Barnes when they struck out on, I think they w- were going to get, what's his name? Who was the big kid that played in Miami? Whiteside. I think they wanted Whiteside and they said no. And then they got Harrison. If I'm not mistaken, that happened where they, they were going to offer him like the max and he ended up going back to Miami and then they got Harrison. Or, yeah, and, you know, and then, then they the Dwight Howard thing, they thought they were going to get Howard. They didn't. They got Wes Matthews that year. You know, he wasn't a top 30 player. Yeah, it's tough. Free agency is very tricky, folks. And look, like, you need a lot of luck. And, and cap room's the most fucking overrated thing you can ever have. Because most players don't want to go to almost any city unless A, you're going to win. B, it's a great fucking city, like a party city. And every city sort of has their, you know, the, you could find fun in any fucking, almost any NBA city or suburb of an NBA city. So that's not a big deal. But having this cap room is really tricky because A, you need the right free agent to be available when you have the money, you know, when you have actual big money. The Mavs didn't have big money this year. And everybody was basically sewn up, you know, like Kawhi was going to go back. Giannis already signed his deal. There wasn't really anybody that's really available for them. So they ended up using most of their cap room on, you know, on on re-signing Tim Hardaway Jr. But like, it's a finicky thing, man. You know, having having cap room, players want to come to you. 
yeah, they had Luca, but like again, there was no one really, you know, there was really nobody available. So I don't know. I, I think it's sort of a, I don't know. Just one of those things. Yeah, it's, it's strange. It's just they, they don't get it. But let's not forget the Golden State Warriors were in the same position right before I got there, really, for 10, 15, 20 years. People, they would call free agents for a pitch meeting and they get laughed out of the room. Um, this was probably before they, you know, even a couple of years after they drafted Steph. So, they they went through the same thing and they've bounced back. You, you gotta you gotta build it up enough. And Dallas isn't a bad city to live in. It's warm. It's no got everything you need. So it's it's just a strange one. You can understand if it's a smaller, colder city, an OKC or a, or a Detroit or an Indiana. Like you, you could understand it. But Dallas, it's central. It's nice. It's cheap to live. No state tax. There's a lot of positives. They should have an opportunity to sign a bit bit more elite free agents, in my opinion. But well, it's a top three. Top three? Yeah. It's a top three NBA city. Well, here's the thing. Here's the reason why I think it's a top three. Well, so let's say top five NBA city. It's safe. It's good weather. No taxes. To play there, first of all, you have an owner that would, you know, that's going to try to do anything to win. You've got fan bases crazy. They're unbelievably, you know, they, they love you to death. Uh, the media, you can go 0-82. The media ain't going to say shit to you. Like... They, they haven't made out of the first round in 10 years and nobody locally wrote shit about it. They don't give a fuck. They, they, like, if the, if the fucking, they care about the Dallas Cowboys and that's it in college football. They don't give a, like, they don't really care about killing. It's not like New York where, like, everybody's trying to kill you if you lose a game and this and that and they, and they got a microscope over you. They don't, a magnifying glass. They don't have that in Dallas. So it's a, it's, it's a good city. You know, good people, safe, no state tax, warm weather. You know, it's 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 very manageable as far as like getting property. I, I love it. I, I love it. Imagine being in like Minnesota, Oklahoma, Houston, fucking Memphis, New Orleans. You know, like I love California, but you know, California is a cocktail. You can't afford to live there. Most people can't. You can't really own anything because it's so expensive unless you're a max level player where it doesn't really matter. I like Phoenix, but, you know, I think Dallas is a really good – like, who would you rather be right now? Would you rather live in Dallas or New York City? Oh, Dallas any day of the week. I'm not a, I'm not a big city guy. I, 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 I like no. – I'd go to New York four or five days – See the restaurants, do some shopping, have the missus run up my credit card, and then <laughs> have to pay, have to work for another four years to pay it off. But then, yeah, I, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of walking out of my door into traffic and scooters and bikes and horns and all kinds of shit. Um, I like, I, I definitely, yeah. I, I enjoyed my time in Dallas off the court, on the court, not so much, but on the court was fine. And yeah, I think it's a great city. It's accessible. It's central to everything. It's great weather. Like I said, low, no state tax. Um, the people to me were, were they cop shit for some reason, um, but they're very, very friendly. What you see is what you get type people. So I had no issues there. And I agree it's up there. Um, you know, but most NBA players, they want, they want that marketing and that, that bang. But yeah, it's just, just, just is an interesting one. I'd, I'd, Dallas got to win. Mm, they got to win. Yeah. Well, they have been. They've still, they've, I mean, they've been, they've been a winning team the last, even though they haven't been deep into the playoffs since the championship. They're, they're not, it's not like you're going to a Cleveland where you're in a shitty city and you're 
rebuilding. Like they were, they're were, they on the brink. They got a, a top 10, top five, um, arguably elite player on their roster. Why can't they get a second, an, a second, you know, some would argue it's Porzingis, but he wasn't brought over. He came in a trade. Why can't they get a pitch, even a pitch meeting with these big time free agents? Kawhi Leonard when he was a free agent, all these kind of guys. It's it's just a strange one, right? It's, you know, LA will get the pitches and Golden State, but they're just not. Bogues, I think they got to win a playoff series. They got to, I think teams and play, you know how players are. They're like, they they don't know about Dallas yet as far as like, look, they got one of the best players in the league, obviously there, but they got to, they, I think t- like if I'm not going to go to LA and you know, every player wants to be in fucking LA, every player wants to be in LA, Laker, Clipper, it doesn't matter. Like, I think that they got to win and have a chance to win the West. And I think once that happens and look, it's inevitable that it should, they've got an MVP, you know, a guy who's going to win an MVP, if not multiple on their team. They just got to figure it out and they got to figure a way to get out of a, you know, one round, two rounds. And then I think a player is going to finally say, fuck it, I want to come. But acquiring these players, man, it's finicky. You need the money or you need the assets to get a player like that. So say Bradley Beal's available to them right now. Now it's not free agency, but it's trade. Like it's like free agency, to be honest, if they're going to try to, if, if he wants out of Washington and you can get him. Like what are you going to give up to get him? You don't have anything. You've got a great role players in your team, but you don't have anybody that Washington's like besides Luka Doncic that's going to be like, yeah, I'll, we'll take this for this. Like you don't have the assets to do it. Like they've got most of their money besides with Luca and, and Porzingis, they got a lot of money tied up in these role guys, but they don't really have these great players like to acquire a great player. But free agency, I think you like it, to pr- pry somebody out of going to like an LA, they don't want to go to New York anymore. Brooklyn was a special thing when, when those guys came there, they want to go to LA, LA, they want to go to Miami you know, they love Phoenix, and I think that they're going to start to get play. They like Chicago, but, like, to pry those guys out of the big-time cities, I think to go to a Dallas, you got to say, okay, they made it to the Western Conference Finals or they game seven of the semi. They almost got to the, West, the conference final, and they're on the brink. Okay, I'm going to go there and put them over the edge. I just don't think they're going to commit to the to Dallas until they get out of the rounds. That's my opinion. I don't know why. I, if I'm a player, I want to play with Luka Doncic. He makes my job a lot easier with his passing ability. He's going to find me. But I just think that, look, they, I think they just got to win. They haven't got out of the first round in 10 years, dude. That's a long fucking time, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, jeez. Sacramento Kings haven't been in the playoffs for how long, so. Good point. For, for a team that hasn't won that much, it's still one of the best cities for that team that's in that in that seven to ten bracket, you know. Um, and I guess it just yeah. depends what you want. But we'll follow it closely. Hopefully, they'll, they'll get a, at least a pitch meeting and hopefully we'll get one of our friends on in the next couple of episodes to talk about an infamous free agency story that we uh, oh, I hope so. that we spoke about off uh, off mic, which is an absolute doozy. I hope I hope you'll talk about it, Pro. We'll see. We'll see because it's a, it's a pro said off air. Best NBA story I ever heard. Best NBA story by far I've ever heard. We'll get him on. Um, hopefully, hopefully we'll talk about it, but that'll be a surprise in the future. Last question. Hey, Bogues, I'm pro. Love your insights on the pod. Really enjoyed the My Journey series, Bogues, and really enjoyed your contributions on Olympic coverage as well. Thank you. Uh, I have two questions. What's the protocol for handshaking after the game in the NBA? I'm talking pre-COVID. I noticed most players leave before straight away. Only a few stick around. 
do you usually only shake hands at the end of a series? It just seems different to the way we're brought up playing sport in Australia. I'll add to that first before I get to the next one. Yeah, it was weird, bro. We In Australia, we're taught to shake hands after every game, um, whether it's a practice game, whether it's a five-game series, which I find that strange. There was a playoff series three or four years ago that was a testy final series between Adelaide and Melbourne. And they have to shake hands after every game in the series, right? And I think in game two, I believe it was, or three, I could be wrong, there was um, a little scuffle in the handshake line because they still had games left. So it was getting testy playoff series. I think they actually suspended or almost suspended a few guys because of it. So I'm against it in Australia in a playoff series. I think you shake hands at the end of a playoff series just because you're trying to kill each other for five games. And then once the series is over, you do it. But um, yeah, the nightly basis one in the NBA is strange. It just it's a different culture that I had to kind of get over. Um, you see some guys doing it, but it's not, you know, like for instance, we, at the end of a game here, pro in the NBL, game 35 of the season, everyone lines up and shakes hands. It's just is what it is. But in, in the States, everyone just kind of walks off and does their own thing. You've got guys doing interviews. You've got guys, um, you know, catching up with a former teammate or a, or a guy they played with in high school. And then you've got, you know, most people like me that are just like, get me off this court as soon as possible after the game's over. So it is a strange one, pro. I'm not sure if you've noticed that. Um, how is it in high school and college? Do you, do you shake hands still after every game? Yeah, you know, these guys today, they they want everybody wants to shake hands, man. Everybody wants to be, you know, that's just what they do. They love shaking everybody's hands. It's a few people that will walk off, but not even close to the amount like uh, they used to be like, some most people just like just get the fuck out of there, but now they just you know they when want to I first take came in the league, it was no one. When I first came in the NBA, yeah. as a rookie, two thousand five six, it was a horn win, and it was like the be- the most you would get is a point. You get like, hey man, catch you later, man, <laughs> like from yeah. fifty feet away, like the coaches do it all the time. Um, but now, yeah, it's it's definitely getting. I don't mind it. Um, I don't like it in a playoff series for the reasons I said because you can have a little scuffle ensue, but it is probably a cultural thing as well where. You know, we're taught here, you always shake hands in every game, win or loss, and it depends what you like. Yeah, I mean, now they want to trade jerseys. They want to do each other's taxes. Oh, I the mean, trade jerseys thing is fucking, oh, man. Yeah, I, I can't stand that shit. I mean, look, it's it's your personal preference, right? I just can't stand it. I don't know why. No, no, why I can't. Let me give you the reason why I can't stand it. Because we, that was, that's been a thing for years. It was just done behind the scenes, bro. It was done. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, but like when you played a team, so say we were playing the Lakers, right? And I've got a foundation. I would ask the ball boy, hey, I've got a Kobe jersey here. Yes. Can you take it in, have him sign it for me, and then bring it back? And players would do that for each other. It was just done behind the scenes. Now it's a whole, it's all for production now. Um, it's all for look at yeah. me. I'm shot, you know, it's this guy's last season. I want to swap my jersey. Oh, Jesus Christ, get over it. Instagram. Yeah. It is funny. Didn't like JaVel McGee tried to trade with Luca. Luca said no. There was somebody that Luca said yeah, no to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fucking yeah, – I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was JaVel, nah, but maybe I don't not. Think it was JaVel because he played with him. He would play with him, right, for a year. He was there for a year, wasn't he? Oh, no. Was that, was that yeah, not, not with Luca though. Not with not Luca. With Luca. No, nah, I, I remember that. We, we spoke about it. I can't remember who it was. Um, but, yeah, it was for all the people out there that used to be done behind the scenes and you didn't get social media clout for it, but it, that's all changed. Next question he had in his um, two-part series was, the night Clay scored 37 and a quarter, what was it like being there? Have you ever seen anything like that on any level in a basketball on a basketball court? P.S. Love the stories. A part of purely behind-the-scenes story would be a great listen. Cheers. That's from Matt. So the Clay night was crazy. Like we – I've never, I've never seen. I've seen, you know, I play with Steph Curry too. So he, he would get hot, but that clay quarter was just ridiculous. Um, if you watch the start, a funny story from this pro. If you watch the start of that 
37 point onslaught. I think he was at point 10 or something. There was a play where um, I was posting up and I was kind of half open and play and Clay had it on the wing and I'm like, throw me the ball. He, he didn't throw it. He, he shot it and you see my face like, dude, what the fuck? Pass me the ball and he made it and then it went on to have 37 in the quarter. So, I still remember seeing the clip like <laughs> angry bogus not getting the post touch but unbelievable, man. Like it was, it was at a point where it was just so automatic and the beauty of that team, the beauty of that team was we- we we were part of that. We enjoyed when guys went through those phases of getting hot, mainly Steph and Clay, where we wanted to go out of our way. Like it was like, don't worry about the offense. Let's just run fifty handoffs for Clay this next qu- whole quarter. Just try to get him fifty in a quarter, and it was a beautiful thing to watch. I've, I've never seen anything like it, and it'll go down in history as that. I don't think that number's going to ever be beaten again. Yeah, that game was ridiculous, man. Like, what were the fuck were you thinking? Like, just watching all that shit. I, I would have been like. You know, I would have been like, what the fuck? Like, that that's crazy. Just the amount of shots he was making and the efficiency and all that stuff. The degree of I difficulty. Mean, was- you know, after he had like, after he had 20, they were like, they were running at him at the half and he, he was just moving off the ball so well, coming off screens. And it was a Sacramento King, so it took him a while to adjust, <laughs> shockingly. <laughs> hey, yeah. uh, we might want to head half. on this guy. We might want to run him off the three, but yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. <laughs> like, and, and you watch our bench, probably the last 10 or 15 points of that 37, our bench was all on the court doing, you know, sliding on the ground, jumping up and down. Even the guys on the court were just like, dude, like what is going on? And the best thing is the end of the game, like you wouldn't know. Clay had 37 because he's that kind of guy. Like, you'd be like, he'd just be back in the locker room, kind of just hanging out, having a beer or whatever, and you wouldn't know he had 37. That's what I loved about about Clay Thompson. He just kind of was nonchalant about highs and lows of the NBA. You would never know. Um, and actually, there was a funny story I just read. It was, I can't remember. It was on a, maybe on a podcast. It was on Hoops Hype or one of those internet slides that you see, one of those pictures with, with writing on it where Monte Ellis, he played with Monte Ellis his, his rookie year, and, and Monte was getting frustrated because Clay kept shooting the ball and he was a rookie and apparently Monte Ellis laid into him and was like, dude, Rook, pass the ball. What, what the F are you doing? What the F are you doing? Like really laid into him. Clay didn't say anything and then like the very next play down the court, an early swing, swing, just shot it. <laughs> just like, and I can't remember who the player was that was talking about it, was just talking about more like this kid's going to be a killer. This kid's going to be, you know, he's going to be a killer because he just, you know, getting cussed out by a 10-year veteran that was supposed to be his team and just basically didn't say a word and just shot the next one, just didn't give a shit, you know, and that's the mentality you got to have as a scorer in the, in the NBA pro. Yeah, you really do. You, you really do need to, you know, you need that mentality, you know, especially a young player. I think most of what you have is your confidence in yourself because you know how it is. It's going to, you know, someone's going to eat your lunch and – you, to be able to like overcome this thing where you're going to get yourself on track to be a great player in this league, you need to have extreme confidence in yourself and you need to believe in it. And it's funny because people think that everyone's got this confidence and we all know, you and I definitely know behind the scenes, there's a, a bunch of players in the league that are very fragile and have very little confidence in themselves. When they look themselves in the mirror, when they're in the locker room, they'll talk that shit like they do. But a lot of players don't and they're scared shit. And they can't perform at that level. And that's why it's a, there's a big difference between someone who could put up numbers and someone who could carry an organization. It takes big balls to do what, you know, you know, Clay Thompson did, you did, even Monte Ellis did for, for a period of time. It, it takes big balls to believe in yourself because there's going to be those nights where like it's not falling and you gotta, you gotta pick yourself up, dust yourself off and go to the next one. 
And there's not a lot of players that could sort of survive. That's why a lot of these players burn out after year three, year four, year five. There's a lot of pressure. Not only do you have to be good enough physically, but the mental part is such a, a big part of things, you know? I agree. Yeah, it's ups and the downs, and you just got to push through it. And I've had, I've had both ends of that of that stick, and you just got to get on with it. But that is episode thirty-five, pro. We are so to, tomorrow in Australia, or, or in a couple of days in Australia, it is spring. So we are terming this pro, even though you're on the other side of the world and you're not going into spring, you're going into autumn. This is spring break. We're going to sign off for the month of September, people. We're going to take a break. Hopefully, pro does not come back bigger. Right? I think it's impossible. Let's fucking be honest. Although, I'll tell you a story, folks. My fucking air sole blew up. Did you say asshole? Like my Nike. Asshole or air sole? No, that, that's been blowing up for a while. I'm talking <laughs> about my, my air sole. My air sole, I, mu- I must be, they're going to bring me on trial for crimes against humanity, what I did for this poor bastard. No, it's like blown up, folks. It's like a fucking, like a fucking grapefruit. And like, I, I don't know what I was doing. I was working a kid out last week or something like that. And I noticed my shoe was a little weird. I noticed one shoe was flat on the bottom as it should be. The sole, the other sole, it's like a grapefruit on the bottom. I must have <laughs> fucking blew that. There must be a weight limit, obviously. Yeah. There's probably sparks on that fucking thing. You got to read yeah. the fine print, but yeah, it had a flat tire. It's like lobster when you put it in a boil. But anyway, yeah, we're taking the month off because there's not a whole lot going on besides the NBA gossip stuff. We'd like to get into that a little bit, but don't want a whole show about NBA soap opera drama. So we're going to take the, the month of September off, and we will catch you back in early October to discuss what will be the preseason, and hopefully all our rosters will be fully set by then. Maybe a few trades along the way, but appreciate all the support, and we will catch you again early October.